It's a great goal! Ronaldo coming to life! Harry Kuehl! Nakamura! Brilliant for Messi! Kakar and Gerrard! Pressure now on Park Ji-sung. What pressure? Tim Cahill has done it again! What a goal by Tim Cahill! Welcome everyone, this is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. From 4Diegos.com, my name's Rodrigo Rodriguez. And with me today is my co-host, Carlos Alberto Diego. Carlos, as always, welcome to our weekly wrap of World Football. Thanks, Rodrigo, and hello to our listeners. On today's show, we'll review the magnificent FIFA Women's World Cup. We update all the transfer news in Australia and abroad, the latest in European football, tackle the hot topic of the week, and we share a very special, special soft sombrero moment, Rodrigo, with new Adelaide United recruit. It's a romantic story, <laughs> Bruce Gitte. So, Rodrigo, as always, it's another big show. Yes, Bruce is uh, back home in Adelaide, so looking forward forward to speaking with Bruce. Uh, Carlos, let's start with the hot topic of the week, as we always do at this time. And uh, interesting to know that the English Premier League, you know, the biggest league in the world, you'd have to say, is going to look to introduce goal line technology as early as 2012, 2013. You're loving this, Rodrigo. I think it's fantastic. Because you are what we call a tech head. That's right. And you're what we call a troglodyte. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'd like to call myself a traditionalist, traditionalist. really, Rodrigo. Well, you know, I, I think it's about time. I think it's about time that given how important goals are in our beautiful game, Every all the players try to score them. A lot of other players try to stop them. You know, basically, in my opinion, it's about time that the best competition in in the world, the best league in the world, is going to introduce this. What do you think? Am I speaking to Rodrigo Rodriguez or Richard Scudder, Scudamore well, from the English FA? You're speaking to Rodrigo Rodriguez. Yeah, but Rodrigo, you are you are <laughs> conduit for Richard. I think uh, with with what you're saying, it's a party line. Uh, I know people are arguing. Look, we've got the technology. Let's use it. But I, you know, I keep on using the word romance in football. Where is that? <laughs> you just want to sanitize the game, Rodrigo. Don't you understand that the symmetry of what comes your way, you take. What you lose, you give away. And that happens. It all balances itself out over the whole uh, history of the game, Rodrigo. Uh, sometimes you win, sometimes sometimes you lose some. Where's the talking points? Without the goal line uh, issues, where are the talking points? Regular listeners to this program would be aware that I'm normally the one that lives in <laughs> La La Land. But you are living in La La Land. Players actually used to play for free as it's well, too, Carlos. Carlos. football wonderland, Rodrigo. <laughs> that's the wonderland. Yeah, that's that's right. right. Players used to play for free, Carlos. Do they play for free anymore? Well, in their heart, they do, Rodrigo. <laughs> Even though they do get the hundred thousand pounds. You know, well, look, you know, for me, I think, you know, what is the rush? What's the rush with the video technology? <laughs> uh, Frank Lampard, they were screaming that uh, that because of the goal that was disallowed uh, in the last World Cup, that could have made it two all with Germany, who went on to defeat them quite heavily. Uh, they thought that, that was going to change things, and uh, I, I, I just half wonder whether the English FA are, are pushing this uh, a little bit uh, more aggressively these days, Rodrigo, because of the uh, divide between them and uh, the FA in particular. Uh, sorry, the FIFA in particular, Sepp Blatter, and I just think uh, maybe it's a little bit of you know, let's get back at set by really pushing this through. I don't care how it happens, Carlos. If it's politically based or it's if it's actually, you know, with great intentions to ensure that, you know, players who score goals are actually um, given the goals and teams who actually win matches actually win the matches and get the points. But uh, 
Whatever way, Carlos, I'm for this. You're against it. Rodrigo, I celebrate human error. All right. Well, I celebrate technology. <laughs> Thank you very much there, Carlos. Don't forget, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. Let us know your opinion on the world game. Coming up, it's an Asia-Pacific Australasian wrap. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. We can't win at home. And we can't win on the road. My problem as coach is that I can't think of another place to play. This has been a sad coaching moment by the four Diegos. Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia, your weekly dose of world football. Coming up, stay tuned. It's a special soft sombrero moment with new Adelaide United recruit Bruce Jitte. But first, Carlos, let's talk about the FIFA Women's World Cup. And this was a celebration of football at uh, Frankfurt FIFA World Cup Stadium where Japan and the United States did battle. Two all at full time, Carlos. 3-1 on penalties. Congratulations to the Japanese our region won the World Cup, Carlos. This was awesome. Rodrigo, it was an epic game. And uh, not only did uh, fi- uh, did Japan uh, really shock the world by now sort of uh, making their way into the upper echelon of uh, world football. Of course, the big teams are Germany, uh, US, uh, you know, Sweden, all the Nordic countries, uh, Brazil. Now Japan coming out of nowhere. A team that actually finished third in the Asian Cup that Australia won last season. Uh, they have come through and actually shocked the world uh, uh, they were in this game. They were two goals down, and they fought back. Sorry, they were behind twice mm. and fought back to a two-all draw. They did it with one less play towards the end of the game when everyone was dead on their feet, and the penalty shootout just shone. And I, you know, I dare say you don't want to be bringing this up because it certainly is no no replacement to what happened in Japan as far as the tsunami and the earthquakes concerned. But. Uh, I'm sure that the girls use that as motivation to do it for their country. I'm not sure what it does for the people in the country, so let's not uh, let's not uh, devalue what they're going through over there. But certainly, uh, the Japanese side did play for their country, and it was a fantastic effort and uh, just a you know ornament to the game the way they went about it. I think both teams should be congratulated. In fact, you know the entire World Cup, in my opinion, was just played in the right spirit. You know there were there was minimal diving, although there was a, there was a bit. You know there were no serious history like we get you know, in the men's game at the moment. I'm not comparing the women's game to the men's game, but, uh, but you know, as a standalone sporting event, this, this has to be right up there. And, and this hopefully will pave the way, especially in our region here with Japan winning and Australia reaching the uh, quarterfinals, will, you know, enable girls now to get some role models in this game and start, start you know, playing it as a viable sport for, for, their, for their futures. Rodrigo, the technique that the girls showed across the tournament, the, the pace, uh, the, uh, the mobility, the tactical nous, I think uh, that starts winning the, I don't know, the, the respect of uh, uh, men out there, you know, the, the men who watch the game. For too long in previous World Cups, people are saying, yeah, the girls win it, but the quality across the whole tournament hasn't been that great. Well, this tournament, even Ecuadorial Guinea, you know, uh, they had gender issues, I know, gender uh, uh, arguments over, you know. They were cleared, though, Carlos. They were cleared, but there were still some night, some um, issues there, and also North Korea with their so-called <laughs> drug-taking right. and so forth. But, uh, but 
we saw games that were worth watching mm. and they were fantastic contests. And okay, okay, Australia, for example, uh, had a serious issue in the middle of the defence, but the rest of their game was fantastic. So it's just going to get better and better. And I think we're seeing a lot more professionalism. Needs more money in the game, Rodrigo, to get the best coaches in there and to get the girls full time. But uh, I think it's fantastic. It's watchable. And I think our next, can't wait for the next uh, World Cup in 2015. I think you'll see four years uh, you know more improvement mm. in the Australian sides, especially that, those teams that are just below the the the, the upper rung, the A list sides. And I think you'll see improvement there, and a lot of uh, confidence that the girls did so well this time around. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the young Australian team, and uh, congratulations to Caitlin Ford, who was uh, announced as a young player of the tournament, which is a fantastic recognition, and you know proves your um, or goes to your point about you know four years' time, Australia could really give this a tilt. Yeah, and the other thing that's happening with someone like Caitlin Ford. I heard the other day, it's a little known fact, Rodrigo, that uh, teams from overseas in Sweden are seeking her signature and also in the US at the moment. Uh, of course, she won't go. She's only a year 11 student in Australia, in, in, her, uh, in I think it's in Perth that she comes from. So uh, there's still, you know, there's still some hope for her as far as a professional football is concerned, but she's so young, I don't think it's a good idea for her to go too early. But they're starting now, uh, start, uh, you know, maybe getting some international players uh, interested in all over the world, you know, recruiting from all other countries. And again, once you get someone like a Caitlin Ford playing with the best players in the world, that's going to augur well for the Matildas uh, in big tournaments. Absolutely. So uh, J- Japan, the FIFA Women's World Cup champions, and uh, we'll have a look at it again in four years' time. But uh, Carlos... Uh, you were talking about Vinnie Grella and what was going to be happening to him. I've got some news that potentially Blackburn are looking to offload him. Which A-League club could be interested in Vinnie Grella or would he be interested in coming? I've had a couple of discussions about Vinnie Grella. He has married a lovely, lovely Italian girl ah, from the Tuscan area. Right. And her father actually owns a vineyard in Tuscany, <laughs> which uh, they live on. <laughs> so I can't imagine that uh, he he will settle in Australia too tight, too uh, too quickly um if if blackburn move him on he's a professional he'll look for the best possible contract he believes he can play in europe still italy know him very well all the italian clubs and there is talk that he might go to Cagliari or siena or one of those clubs he'll be fantastic for them he has just been you know crueled by injury rodrigo and uh that's why he hasn't had a happy time in the uk i'd love to see him in australia carlos before we go to bruce jitter i'm really looking forward to that interview you've got an update on the o-league yes uh ofc was a buzz uh this week uh, at the offices of the oc where they announced the draw for the o-league uh, uh actually starting in october this year and a couple of uh just a couple of highlights rodrigo they've separated both auckland city and also waitakere uh one's in group a and group b so uh, i'm not sure it's a good idea for a lot of the island countries because suddenly, you know, with Waitakere winning, winning the O-League twice and also uh, Auckland winning it three times, they have had a monopoly on this thing and Hikari uh, has been the only one that's uh, of the island nations that have won it. So, uh, but I'm declaring there's a group of death, Rodrigo. <laughs> group B is Auckland City, Hikari, um, Amakal and also Koali. Uh, all those sides, they're very, very tough to beat and I don't, uh, given that Auckland City uh, believe they've got uh, probably uh, a right to go through the World Club Championship. I don't think it'll be that easy for them this time around. Looking forward to the O-League and we'll provide you with updates right throughout here on uh, World Football Weekly. Th- Weekly. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, remember, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. Coming up, stay tuned. It's a special soft sombrero moment with new Adelaide United recruit Bruce Jitte. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. You know what EPL stands for? Every player loaded. To all English Premier League coaches out there, 
Happy coaching. This is the Four Diego's. Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Coming up is a wrap of all things happening in world football. But first to the Diego's, there's nothing better than the story of a local boy who comes back to where it all started for him. And this week, that exact scenario happened to one of our favourite A-League footballers who joins us today. Please, a big Four Diego's World Football Weekly welcome to new Adelaide United recruit Bruce Jute. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for the very kind introduction. <laughs> well, you know, we're very kind to you, and thanks for waiting on the line. It's Rodrigo here and Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, they're calling you the prodigal son, returning to, you know, to the home club that, you know, basically where you got, you know, where you started it all in 2006. How good is it being back home? Yeah, I think it's great. You know, I'm, I'm a Sydney boy, but Adelaide, you know, was uh, really warm to me, and, and certainly when I first came here and and just how the the people treated me, how the club treated me. You know, I've always thought if I was going to come back to the A-League, I'd I'd like to to play for Adelaide. And, uh, you know, uh, I think to to come back now and and to be back at Hindmarsh training and and to be a part of the setup, or going into the offices and stuff, although there's a a few new faces around, you know, (laughs) it's really enjoyable to to be back around some uh, pretty familiar surroundings. Bruce, it's uh, Carlos here. Uh, now, you left Adelaide to go and live your Turkish football dream, which we all know because we had a chat to you about it. It ended up being a tw- into a Turkish nightmare. Uh, you came back and you detoured via Gold Coast. Was that sort of, a, was that sort of deliberate or did you always want to come back to the city of churches? Because your good mate Nathan Burns once told us that you are a man that needs to go to church. <laughs> well, what? <laughs> oh, I don't know what he meant by that. No, I made that up, mate. I made that up. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely, I've always wanted to to come back here if I was going to play in Australia. Obviously, uh, the time I was looking to come back from Turkey, they didn't have any owners that owned FFA, and and that made things a little complicated, and and they didn't really have too many resources and stuff like that. So. There was quite a few complications trying to come back here. I think uh, they they pushed really hard for me to get back for for last season, but but I was out of their hands. You know, they they didn't have a say. They didn't have owners. You know, so it was it was very difficult for them. And uh, to be fair, Gold Coast were very professional. They approached me. They 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 put put together a, a good proposal, good package. And and uh, you know, at the end of the day, Gold Coast uh, was 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 a fantastic experience because we had a great team i was really motivated to go and, and play in that team because uh, we had some fantastic individual players there and and a good team and a good coach in in miron so you know i think gold coast showed their true colors last season i think i was able to help the team achieve something not not exactly what we wanted to get we, we were one game short of the grand final but but you know all in all i think it was a good move and and a successful one but uh yeah definitely happy being back in adelaide and, and hopefully this season we can go all the way well, you're you're a respectful guy, and um, you're so respectful that uh, when you scored uh, in a, an A League Finals game in February this year um, for the Gold Coast United against Adelaide, you didn't celebrate in front of the Adelaide fans. Now people are pointing to that moment <laughs> as to when you made up your mind to return to Adelaide. Is there any truth in that? No, no truth in that. I always thought, you know, whether it was in the finals game or throughout the season, if I'd ever scored against Adelaide, I wasn't going to celebrate. You know, it's. It's a club that did give me my start, you know, in professional football, and and I think you know you got to, you, you you can't forget where you came from, you know, and and uh, I think it's, uh, it was an it was an important thing for me that that you know 
even though I'm playing for another team, I'm a professional and I've got to do a job, you know, that, that I still held the fans close to my heart. So, look, there was there was no need to roll them up or, or, or you know, uh, rub it into to the club or anything like that. So, you know, it was, it was always my intention not to celebrate, it, whether it was in the finals or whether it was throughout the season. Very respectful there, Bruce. And I, but I know that the club at that point decided to put the contract together because they thought this boy here deserves to be back in uh, Adelaide. Now, Bruce, um, Melbourne Heart apparently uh, were vying quite hard for your signature uh, You know, with Adelaide. Of, of course, Adelaide uh, won your signature before they did. How close were you? Was that realistic, uh, the uh, interest from Melbourne Heart? No, I don't think so, really, to... to, to tell the truth you know I, I i was in gold coast and there was a bit of talk starting and then while well, you know i, I was uh I, I didn't really get anything from them I, I didn't you know i leave that sort of stuff to my manager and he was talking to a few clubs but uh whether melbourne heart and that were was really keen or serious it didn't get back to me so i'd assume that they weren't keen or serious but in saying that i wouldn't have gone there anyway i'd once adelaide uh was in the running, then then it would have been very hard for, for any other club to, to sway me to go there. Here on World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia, we're speaking with new Adelaide United recruit uh, Bruce Gite. Now, Bruce, uh, another one of your teammates at uh, Gold Coast, uh, one of the, the Diego's favourite A-League uh, players, he's been on uh, World Football Weekly, and we've interviewed him a few times, is uh, Zenon Caravella. Now, he also signed for Adelaide uh, in recent recent months. Now, has he, you know, does he think that he needs to, you know, be the tour guide for you? Is he taking you up to the Barossa Valley because we know that he doesn't mind a drop? Yes, he sells wine. I, I remember when I remember when Adelaide approached him and stuff, and and he was like, "What's it like? What's the city like?" And and I I just saw him. This when we were both at Gold Coast, and I didn't know what I was doing, and and he wasn't sure what he was going to do for the next season, and and I told him straight away, "Look, if you got an offer from there and you're happy with it." your best home there because you're going to fit in fantastic there's a great group of boys you'll you'll love the city you know in relation to to your wine tasting and all this sort of <laughs> stuff because he, he sells his own wine as well then you know you're going to love places like McLaren Vale and the Barossa and, and, and places like that so look he went uh, he's been he's already been <laughs> the first day I got to trading he was like Bruce have you been to the Barossa like I've never been I've never been and he's like mate I would live up there if I was so far <laughs> he loves it so look he settled in really well apparently as part of his signing on fee they gave him a vineyard and I'm just interested what they give you Bruce and, and now that you know that you've got a vineyard uh, you're going to renegotiate that contract yeah, I think I'll just take distribution rights of that vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bruce, in the off-season, uh, you've gone from kebabs to yum cha, and uh, you had a short stint with uh, Chinese Super League team, Jiangsu Saint, uh, Sainty. Uh, that's yep. an interesting name. Uh, now, we've heard a lot of varying reports about the state of Chinese football. What was your experience of it? Look, the, 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 the level of the league is actually quite good, you know, uh, I think I, I do think in all honesty that A League is probably at a higher level. I think, you know, overall probably at a higher level, but look, the top eight, nine teams in the Chinese Super League are very, very strong. You know, you got your Chan Jin, Shandong, Shanghai, Beijing, these sort of, you know, big powerful Chinese clubs are very strong and Look, they're investing a lot of money in, in Chinese football now. You know, I don't know if you guys read about the Argentinian that just yeah. moved to Guangzhou, 
Guang Zhu, but look, they bought him for $10 million and there's no A-League club trying that around. So, look, if they keep investing in, in these sort of quality players, then it's only going to help the league grow and it's, and it's going to grow the profile of the league. And, and with China now, and not just China, I think Asia as a whole, you know, it's, it's, it's really starting to get some sort of economic boom going there and that filters through to all levels of work, whether you're football or whether you're build-up. It doesn't really matter. So, look, their league's really improving. And, and like I said, you know, the, the, the top half of the, the league, you know, those teams that are sitting up there are, are very, very strong teams. I still think the A-League overall is better. I don't think there's an easy game in China, but there are easier games. And, uh, and you know, I think it was a good experience. And, look, I, I'd even go back there. I think I, I enjoyed my time there and, and was relatively successful over there. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's one of those leagues that's obviously growing, a bit like the A-League's growing. I don't think it's the number one sport over there as well. But, like I said, they're investing a lot of time and effort into it. And, and if they keep doing that, then I think the league will only improve from where it is now. Now, Bruce, there's been a cloud over the game in China, you know, with regards to match fixing and, you know, referees on the take and all sorts of stuff. Uh, did, I mean, they've worked pretty hard. I mean, it all came out pretty strongly about 12 months ago. They've worked pretty hard to clean the game up. Is there any suggestion at all that uh, some, of the, some of your teammates or some of the opposition were just laying down and uh, maybe not going as hard as they should have? I don't think so. I know a couple of years ago there was a big scandal and, <laughs> you know, in China, mate, they don't... They don't they don't joke with their punishments. I think a couple of guys <laughs> went to jail for life and stuff like that. You know, there was a few presidents of clubs and, and you know, quite a few referees that, that got some very heavy sentences. So, look, I didn't see nothing like that. I didn't see anything that resembled any sort of match-fixing type things like that. But, uh, yeah, I think the game's as clean as a whistle, mate. The, the, the sort of uh, punishments they handed down, the precedent they've set, I don't think you'll, you'll see that happen in China ever again. Now, Bruce, uh, before we let you go, you know, you've come from a coach who's like the game show host or talk show host, <laughs> and uh, you now have got the, I um, mean, in Miron Bleiberg, of course, and now you've got a coach who, you know, seems to be fairly um, straightforward, straight down the line, more like more like a priest, maybe, um, in, in Rinny Cool. And what are your immediate impressions of uh, Rinny as your coach? Yeah, very good impression. I mean, look, uh, very professional, very organised, very precise, explains what, what you... If we've got a drill or something, we'll explain what the drill is, and then he'll 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 tell you, he'll justify why we're doing it. He won't just say, "Look, go run a hundred laps," and you'll be like, "Why are we doing this?" And and obviously he's got no reason. No, it's nothing like that. It'll be it'll be, "Look, we're going to play like this, and we want you to do this because we're, you know, focusing on conditioning for this exercise, and we're focusing on speed for that exercise, or whatever it is." You know, he's very concise and very particular about his training sessions, and he's very well organised and really professional and. Like, like I think he comes across in the media, you know, obviously I only met him a few times last season, but the way he came across in the media is exactly how he is in real life. You know, he's, he's, he's a gentleman and, and, you know, he's always going to give you a chance and, and he's always going to be firm and fair. And I think, you know, he's a, he's a very good coach to have for, for players that are developing. And I think that's why he's been so successful in developing so many players over, over his coaching career because he's just got that right balance of, of you know, discipline and the, the right balance of, of freedom for attacking players for example and he knows exactly what he needs from from what players and when he needs it so yeah definitely some uh, great first impression and, and hopefully uh, you know a, a good and long relationship we can have uh, in football well we just got a text message from Rennie saying uh, you've got number nine <laughs> Congratulations. I didn't want number nine. I wanted 11. Oh, bad luck. <laughs> well, you're the main man. <laughs> 
Thank you very much there, Bruce. Uh, we, as always, we really appreciate your time. It's uh, great uh, talking to you, and uh, good luck with Adelaide United again. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Not at all. Thank you very much. That was a special soft sombrero moment with new Adelaide United recruit Bruce Jitte. Next up, it's a global football update, so stay tuned. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Class is when they run you out of town to look like you're leading a parade. This has been a profound coaching moment by the four Diegos. You were on your own. Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia, your weekly dose of world football. Don't forget, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the world game. Carlos, let's get into the world scene now. And uh, the deal between Manchester City and Corinthians for striker Carlos Tevez was looked like one of the best deals or one of the greatest deals Manchester City could ever do. Um what happened? The deals just collapsed. Rodrigo it was never going to happen. I oh, mean, uh, the, he did the, say that. Oh, of course, I, I, you know, I'm no, I'm no Nostradamus, Rodrigo, but I, I knew what was going to happen in the future. When a team like Corinthians, one of the biggest clubs in in Brazil, I know Brazil are on a high at the moment with their economy, and they've got the 2014 World Cup and the 2016 Olympics, and I'm sure they've got a number of Mardi Gras over the years there. <laughs> They're very big from around the world, but they don't have the money to buy Carlos Tevez. They never did have the money to buy Carlos Tevez. And uh, surprise, surprise, Corinthians can't come up with the first instalment now. They want to wait six months, and that's why it fell over, Rodrigo. Surely Manchester City have got enough money to say, yes, we'll take it in six months. Not a charity, Rodrigo. (laughs) Not a charity. I'm sure it'd be interest-free too. So (laughs) we love the Brazilians, but you're going to have to pay up if you're going to play at the the stratospheric level of uh, international football transfers. Let's wrap the uh, Copa America. I know you rate this very highly. Uh, (laughs) Semi-final, Uruguay defeated Peru. Luis Suarez, the uh, Liverpoolian. And isn't hardly um, <laughs> Uruguayan who plays for Liverpool scored twice in that game. And, uh, you know, Uruguay, they showed at the World Cup last year that, um, you know, going forward, they're a team really to be reckoned with. And they're in the final of the Copa America against uh, Paraguay, who uh, drew nil all against Venezuela. It's been a bit of a, bit of a sterile competition, Rodrigo. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, there was one side, I'm not sure which one in the semifinal. I think Peru only won one game in all its games and groups to make the semifinal. <laughs> it's been a low-scoring affair. Players haven't wanted to be there. And I think it shows by the... Uh, by the pedigree of the teams are in the semi-finals, Paraguay, Venezuela. I mean, Venezuela hardly, you know, get off the bottom of the of the uh, South American group in World Cup qualifying. Peru have been struggling for years. So, uh, but it's good to see Uruguay. I'm with them and Paraguay. Uh, the two Guays, it's a Guay derby, Rodrigo. It's a Guay derby. So uh, let's hope that they have a good final. Thank you very much there, Carlos. Uh, great show. That's it for this week's show. You can join us from 4diegos.com for your dose of world football every week here on World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Until next week, ole! Que eu quero passar Pois o samba está animado O que eu quero é samba You're listening to Radio Australia